Shitey's checkers, hookers, and hecklers. Let's go to town. Let's go to Chinatown. Chinatown bus. Uh, forget a jack, it's Chinatown. You know what Chinese food always makes me think of? The holidays. <laughs> yep, it's the only place that's open on Christmas. So if I'm looking for a free meal, the only dumpsters I'll go behind are Chinese food dumpsters. So uh, we all know what's going on right now. We all know what the number one news story is out there. Uh, we've all been listening to it. We've all been watching it. We know exactly what I'm talking about. Of course, I'm talking about the Game of Thrones finale. I, I mean, I've been gone for a long time. I have a lot of catching up to do. I don't know uh, the Game of Thrones finale. I don't even know. Um, but I can tell you this. My deviated septum knows the theme song. Do you hear that? In your head where you're thinking, from uh, Game of Thrones. Winter's coming. Winter's here. <laughs> yeah, winter's here. Winter is here. And with it, we all have little sugar plums dancing in our heads. Thinking about the great red man, the great man up in the North Pole. Oh, by the way, this is uh, acting coach Dan Rodandon teaching actors how to act. That's right. The name of the podcast is acting coach Dan Rodandon teaching actors how to act. And that's what I'm here to do. Not make nose music. Um, I, I'm here to uh, you know, make you a better actor and, and make you a better man, just like Santa does. Good old Santa. Santa Claus, the Claus man, Mr. K, Mr. Klaus, Sinter, Sander, Sander Klaus. You know, when I think about Santa, there's only a couple people, you know, there's only two, I think there's only two people, two people ever who who have portrayed Santa Claus in, in uh, film or television. The one that comes first to everybody's mind is Richard Attenborough from uh, Miracle on 34th Street. And uh, number two, the Santa Claus, the Santa Claus that is, uh, 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 in my mind, the Santa Claus. Uh, and that is John Dunsworth of Trailer Park Boys fame, who I lovingly got to interview a few years back. And uh, the reason I say he's a Santa Claus is because he made a documentary about Santa Con. as Mr. Leahy. But I'm about to take on one of the toughest jobs of my career. This year, I'm competing at the Santa Winter Games in Sweden, and I'm bringing home the gold for Canada. SJ Homo Canadiensis! Even if it kills me. Yeah! That makes me feel warm. That makes me feel warm on these cold winter nights. Thinking about old John Dunsworth and his Santa stuff. Good old Johnny D. John Dunsworth. I miss that guy. What's that guy up to? Let's do a Google. Let's search on the Googs. See what Dr. Goog has to say here. John Dunsworth. Dunsworth. 
Dunsworth. John Francis Dunsworth. Da, 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 da. Beloved father, husband, and grandfather was known for great act. Whew. While the end of Trailer Park Season 12 includes a moving dedication and goodbye to series regular John Dunsworth, who died in 2017. I don't, I don't even know where I was most of that year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that hurts. Ugh. Maybe he reached out to me. Maybe I should have reached out to him. Let me check my emails here. Let me search John Dunsworth. My emails. Did he... Any... Any party wisdom? Okay. Seeing... A lot of penis pill ads. A lot of things. Pinterest thinks I'd be interested in. John Dunsworth. Great John Dunsworth Show. The Great John Dunsworth Show. That's the title of the email from somebody named Matchism. Dan, I just started listening to your podcast. I noticed you interviewed John Dunsworth and had to check it out. It's my favorite episode, but it was also my first. And everybody remembers their first. I'm a, I'm a comic actor, impersonator, improviser from Nova Scotia and took an acting class with John. It was a real treat to hear you play with John over the mic. Where, where are you usually recording from? Who cares? Where was your interview with John? I don't know. Maybe the most comfortable room in the world being around that man. Thanks for the show. Keep up the great work. Sorry to disappoint you, Matt Chisholm. Sorry to disappoint everyone. Sorry to disappoint John. I need I I need to talk to someone right now. I really need somebody to talk to. I'm gonna call this this match. I'm gonna call this son of a bitch. He left his number right there at the bottom of the email. And we're making bacon calls. The guy was foolish enough to leave a phone number with me. Ring, 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 ring. Oh, hello? 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 Hi. Hi! It's me! Yeah, who is, who is this? Is Dan this... Redanden, acting coach Dan Redanden, teaching actors how to act. You emailed me back in January 2015. Oh, whoa. Okay. John Densworth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that was that was that was a treat. That was a real treat. And you're the Matchism. Yeah, that's that's my name, Matchism. So what does that mean? Well, my first name is Matt, and my last name's Chisholm. Oh, simple as that. Uh huh. Okay. Well, um, reading your email, I finally got around to it. It made me think about John. What was the first thing you ever saw John in? Oh, geez. I mean, it was definitely in Trailer Park Boys. I think growing up in Nova Scotia, everyone kind of knew at least some somebody that was associated or affiliated with Trailer Park Boys. How many cameras they got in Nova Scotia? What is it, like six guys? Um, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, how do, how do you know John? How, how did you? What do you mean, how do I know John? You wrote me about how I know John. Is that... I interviewed him. Yeah. 
Did, did you did you know him beforehand, or was that like a? No, of course not. Oh. You just I don't know him. anybody I interview. What do you think Charlie Rose knows everybody he interviews? That's not how professionals do it. So tell me more. Tell me more about John. You took a class with John, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I, t I took a class. Um, did he teach? Was he was he also in the class, or did he teach the class, or or what did that look like? I walked into this improv class. It was in the back of a grocery store, and um, I, I turned the corner, and John was just there. You know, Mr. Leahy. He just showed up. So it was like sort of like Michael Jordan walking into a, a pickup basketball game at a kindergarten. Yeah, basically. But he spent a lot of time passing the ball. He was an excellent fellow improviser. What, what does it take to be a good improviser? What 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 characteristics did he show that you you learned from? Um, he was a very physical actor. Did he ever hit you? No, he was he was very very like loving. Did he ever pat you on the back and say great job? Uh, I mean, if you were playing a, a character with like a limp or a physical. I know when I worked with him, one of the things that uh, he said to me was, "You watch, you watch a lot of bad actors. They they tend to throw away the last word in their sentences." So uh, I never do that. I, I don't want to waste a word. I want all of those words to explode out of my mouth. Yeah. I think that description fit John very well. You know, not wasting a word or a sentence. You know any secrets about him? You know any secrets that, he, that nobody knows? Um, believe it or not, in 1988, which was the year I was born, John ran in a provincial election in Nova Scotia. For what? Uh, for... A member of the uh, Legislative Assembly in Nova Scotia in Halifax. There's a documentary, actually, it's on the internet uh, called The Candidate. It's just called The King? The Candidate. Oh, The Candidate. Did you ever think of running in an election? Was it a serious consideration or a passing fantasy? This is a portrait of John Dunsworth's campaign. We've always been uh, uh, part of an authoritarian kind of society. And in a way, it's true because people in this community, they think, um, you know, they think something that is has virtue because it is. I mean, they will vote for someone because that someone has been the premier and he's important. They will, uh, they will subscribe to a set of rules because it has been the set of rules. And so by virtue of its existence, it must be good. And they're a little bit afraid of trying something new. I didn't have e either speech written tonight, the winning or the losing speech. I think the winning one will come easier, so maybe I should make that one. <laughs> All right, I'll make the winning speech. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. It's incredible. Five votes. We won by, but a win by five is a win. We have a lot of you work. You think about it every day? Four years. I, I mean, it doesn't, you know, in the run of a day, it doesn't. You know, he doesn't really pop into my mind. I think about him every day. That that time that I met him, that uh, I was one of the one of the best days, one of the best days I ever had. And uh, he was incredibly kind, and uh, you could just tell that there was that there was somebody present there the whole time. And uh, that's. You don't you don't see that every day. And I would have voted for him. I'd vote for him. I'd, I'm going to write him in. I'm going to write him in in 2020. John Dunsworth, 2020. Dunsworth Chisholm, 2020. <laughs> how, how how do you like? Do you feel like you're a better person having you know had a chance to meet him and 
I mean, no, no, nobody can make anybody a better person. That's not how that works. Psychology is a scam. Uh, parenting is a scam. But yeah, yeah, I do think he made me a better person. And I don't, I don't know how he did it, but, but I know I'm worse without him. What's, what's fun about talking to John is uh, he's so fast. He's so fast with everything, and uh, he, he, if he starts going down one road, he's not afraid to abandon it if he comes up with something funnier. And uh, it's it's fun to just jump track to track with him. It's sort of like uh, you know an Indiana Jones style train fight where you're just jumping from car to car, wrestling and tussling and and, and having a blast. He showed up one time to our acting class uh, with a, a wine bottle. And just started taking swigs from it. And he never really addressed it or anything like that. He just did it. And then uh, I think somebody asked. And it was like water. He just had a wine bottle. He was kind of like playing a game with everybody. It was pretty great. Yeah, I used to do that on dates. That way, that way they would get drunk and I would be totally sober. But I could still try to get away with things. I don't know. That, that, that doesn't seem too great. That sounds a little bit... Anyway, great talking like, to you, Matt. Great, great that's, that's, talking that's to you. That's probably not appropriate. I don't think you should do off. that. Let's cut that off. We'll play the music. And it leaps. Oh, yeah. Great to hear from you, Matt. Oh, yes. It's real. I'm real busy now. It's raining over here. I want to I wanna, I wanna move from uh, talking about a great man onto talking to a great man. And uh, sure, you know, some of it's going to be dated. He's going to be plugging things that, that already came out. I'm going to I'm going to be five years better when you hear this. So listen, listen back and, and, and remember. Remember the good old days. I hear that warm, beautiful voice of John Dunsworth himself, the man, the. The beautiful shining star off of the. Oh, it's times like this I really wish I believed in heaven. Anyway, here's here's the interview. But let's just say uh, I, I made it to New York. I made it to New York in somewhat record time, and I made it there because I wanted to interview the most important guest that I have ever had, uh, 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 John Dunsworth. Now, you may be asking yourself, who's John, Dun- who's John Dunsworth? Is he, is he that guy from that show? No, he's the guy from Trailer Park Boys, and he's the guy from that show on Sci-Fi, and that Catholic show from Canada. That's right. It's John Dunsworth. The man who's living the dream. The man you wish your father was. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dan Rodandon, and uh, I, it's a real treat to have a special guest with me today. I, I, we just finished up that traveling music, and uh, I am here with the man, the myth, the legend. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> He's already in character. Listen to that, folks. No, I'm trying to do you, Dan. You're doing me. Yeah. Well, I'll do you. Yeah, all right. You do. You could do me. All right. Doing you. Let's take our clothes off. <laughs> all right. It is an honor, a pleasure, 
Yeah, it's uh, he's getting me in the Christmas spirit. Yeah, he certainly got that Santa vibe going on, Mr. Ho, John. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Bless my soul, little Dan. And what would you like for Christmas this year? <laughs> well, I'd like, I would like one, I would like one night without, uh, without a, a, a horrible nightmares. Re- you. You don't have nightmares. Oh, I have nightmares every single night. Do you have a hot shower before you go to bed? <laughs> hot shower? That is, that is a, a sort of a tough question. I do not have a working shower. Could you tell Santa what do you think about before you fall off to sleep? Well, mostly I, I, I rather than falling asleep, I tend to black out. Uh, and I do that by drinking the whatever wine and uh, bathtub wine that I can concoct yes. in my broken shower. Uh, sometimes I don't know if it's I'm actually drunk or if I'm just very sick with a fever. But uh, uh, certainly the nightmares come. They come every night. And it would be wonderful if I could... Uh, what would t- Tell me one specifically one. Do you have a recurring nightmare? I do, in fact. One of the recurring nightmares that I have is that I am, uh, I am in a room... And uh, I cannot interact with anything in the room. I pick up a glass and I try to drink it. The liquid goes to the bottom of the glass. I try really? to light a match. I can't. And uh, the room is full of people who can th- who can throw things at me, and, and there's nothing that I can do. So, so do, do you do think this might be analogous to your life, Dan? Do do you feel at home in the world, or do you feel? Well, feeling at home is is not something that I'm too familiar with. Uh, I've never really had what you would call a traditional home. I, uh, 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 my, my father was a, he was a special kind of a man, uh-huh. and uh, 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 my mother was hit by a bus. It, so This is your father on your eighth birthday took you for the colonic? No, my father did not take me for a colonic on the eighth birthday. That was just a garden hose. And uh, 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 not, not, not very professionally done, but uh, needless to say, I, I think it worked because... Uh, You've been clean ever since. <laughs> clean ever since, <laughs> so they say. Yes. Do you know it's one 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 right now on the clock? Uh, it's one 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 one. Is that one 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 one? Party for a minute. <laughs> Party for a minute. You know it's a magic number for me, and I realized that when Flight One Eleven crashed outside my home uh-huh. with uh, one hundred and twenty eight lost souls, and, and that's magic. Uh, it, it it what it's a it's a moment, and it crashed in a spot where a friend of mine took a a picture years ago of a three-masted burning schooner, phoned the Coast Guard, and they had no reports of any ships in the area. That, But that's where the plane went down. And it started me thinking that maybe this mystical, you know, ghost-like apparitional things, maybe they're future. Maybe maybe we pre-member instead of remember. Now, if you listen to the Art Bell show yes. uh, at all, I think they call that remote viewing. Remote that viewing! Right? Yeah, you, that, you, yeah. You sit there quietly, and you think about an area that you can see the future, I guess the CIA and the spies used it during the Cold War. Yeah. And uh, it, it sounds like you've had your own experiences. You sort of lucked into them. Well, I, I'm an observer of, of natural phenomenon, and I'm always trying to make mathematical connections. And, like, for example, I'm saying mathematical connection at, at the same time that a guy might be adding two and two plus four. You add them together. That's eight. <laughs> two and two plus four. Yeah. Unless you mean 22, that'd be 26, I think. <laughs> Dan, you're you're just so far ahead of me intellectually that I I'm, I'm finding it hard to keep up with you. Well, I may be far ahead of you intellectually, but uh, spiritually, yes, talent wise, oh. handsomeness, oh my goodness, scent. Oh, let me have a little drinky poo. Please knock, do. knock. Who's there? Juno. Juno who? Juno, where I can get another little drinky poo. <laughs> <laughs> I do, as a matter of fact. Mm. I, I have something here that yes. I would like to show you. Oh, this uh, is a very. Oh, it's a flask. It's a flask. Yes, it is. And I would like you to I read have, the engraving on I have this, one if you wouldn't mind. Identical. I 
am the liquor. Yes, I am indeed. Randy said to me, he said, Mr. Leahy, someone could get hurt. And I said, wouldn't that be nice? And he says, Mr. Leahy, is that you talking to the liquor? Randy, I am the liquor. And uh, it's one of the famous uh, moments of uh, of Jim Leahy's uh, existence. Uh, another one that's very... See, the, the, when I saw that, yeah. for the first time, I, I'm not kidding, I burst into tears because I know that moment. I've... <laughs> I know that exact moment. That is a... Well, see, for me, I don't know the moment. It's all dramatic for me. My whole life is kind of an act. Uh-huh. And uh, I never... Oh, what can I say? Listen to her. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I don't drink. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't... Uh, I can't abide drunks unless they're intelligent drunks and they're on a real good one. Sure. Uh, but if you're out there hanging out with... Uh, wait a yeah. Stephen Dawkins, get drunk, talk oh, about... Uh, oh, 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 uh, Dawkins. He dead now, ain't he? Sure, yeah, yeah. but you talk to ghosts. No, I, listen, you got the wrong impression. I don't believe in all this mystical shit. All I know is that there's connections in the universe. And if you want to be aware, then you're going to have synchronistic moments. And all that it means is that you're aware. And all that it really means is you're in the right place at the right time. That's it. And if you can have I think those, that's a beautiful way to look at it. Being in the right place at the right time, even if you're in a situation that's not uh, uh, good for you or something that that doesn't feel right, maybe it is setting you up for something. I, I would love to believe that. Hope to hope that that's the case. Well, some people, it's a Zen kind of thing. Like like I've got a book here. It's a, it's the way of Zen. Well, that's not the the book. This is Alan Watts. Uh, you want to read some real good philosophy, contemporary philosophy. He's he used to be a Jesuit. He's dead now. Uh-huh. In nineteen fifties, he was writing, and everybody who's written since then has just repeated what he said. And uh, would you mind uh, uh, giving me a little bit of the thesis of well, of it's his simply idea? he was a Buddhist as well, and uh-huh. and uh, uh, um, he just says that you have to relax in the in the moment, and you have to not. Be an expert. An expert, Marshall McLuhan said, an expert's a person who stays put. But he talked about the wisdom, I think it's called wisdom of doubt, or the wisdom of, what's another word for doubt? Another word for doubt. We need another three-second pause there so the audience could think. Oh, you're right. So this is our Dora the Explorer moment. (laughs) Another word for doubt. Was it fear? (laughs) <laughs> Dan, no, doubt is not fear. Like, if the angels and God do not know God, uh-huh. Ecclesiastics 247, 1932, then how can we know God? Anyone professes to know God is a goddamn hypocrite. Sure. Because the world is paradoxical. What does Socrates say? Socrates. The only thing that I know is that I don't know. Yeah. But have you ever read any of that shit? I sure did. It's, so, it's a huge book. I can't get through. It takes a long time. You yeah. can't. Look, I don't understand it. Yeah. It's just too convoluted. Uh-huh. There's too many words. A lot of weird names. Alcibiades, <laughs> uh, things of that. I, yeah. I, I do enjoy the sexual aspect of those times, but uh, 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 the philosophy itself could become a little dense. Yeah. I, you know, whenever I think about that, I just think, bend over, bend over, let Leahy come over. Uh, I, I would love to do that. Um, <laughs> so you were talking about uh, a Zen and relaxation oh, and, yes. and finding yeah. yourself in the right place. Now, how does that relate to being on stage? Is there is there any way that uh, uh, finding yourself in a good moment where okay, you don't okay. have to think? For, for example, uh, this whole time I've been on tour, 
Uh-huh. Uh, we started off with a 46-page script right. uh, two years ago for the Santa Claus Go Fuck Yourself tour. It starts off with me going out and the audience going crazy, I have to say, the, um, a minute or two minutes of you know me waiting for sure. them. Ladies and gentlemen, can I have your attention, please? My name is Officer Jim Leahy of the Sunnyvale <laughs> Police Department, and I am here for the warrant or the warrant for the arrest of Rick the Dick. Which sets up the whole premise. That's all it is. It's I'm the antagonist, he's the protagonist. And mm. that's the same thing over and over again. And all I have to do is it just play different gradations gradations of drunkenness. You know, the sad fucking drunk, you uh-huh. know, you know for, to the angry drunk. The guy's really going off. Randy, what are you talking about? You're my Randy. Right? And it's just, and you can observe that or you can imagine it or you can make it up. But at the same time that I'm doing that, uh-huh. uh, I'm also uh, involved in a, a documentary. We just came back from Vienna and Rome and Sweden, north of the Arctic Circle, Galaver, Sweden, where I competed in the Santa Winter Games. I heard about that. We went to Calgary, I went to Santa School. Uh-huh. I've had trainers. And I got to witness uh, the most wonderful little phenomenon where Santas from all over the world congregate and compete to be named the best Santa in the world. What does it take to be the best Santa in the world? Well, this year, the winner was Santa Banana from Hong Kong. Santa Banana? He won, what, three years ago? And he came yeah. back to... How the hell do you know that, Dan? Well, I heard your interview before. Oh, you did? Uh, <laughs> wow. Well, this is amazing because he, he to win the porridge eating contest, he did not have a mustache. That's right, because yeah. the beard gets caught in your throat. You can't eat it. Yeah. I, that's one of my nightmares, in fact. I had a dream that my mustache got so big that I choked to death on it in my sleep. That's that, Look, that is a definite possibility. That's why... What are these duck boys on TV now? They're called duck the Duck Boys. Yeah, yeah, Dewey, duck, Dewey, and Louie. No, the Duck Dynasty. About. You know what I'm talking duck about? Duck Dinosaurs. <laughs> no, no. You know, so, Honey Boo Boo's grandfather with oh, the big sure, beard. Oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so it, it, the, the real version of Trailer Park Boys is what you're saying. What was I saying? <laughs> the real version of the Trailer Park Boys? The, no, we were talking about choking, choking on your beard. It's better than, you know, choking on pubic hair. That's all I'm saying. Well, it depends on who's you're choking on, I suppose, but uh, I'm just uh, I saying, see your point. I, well, I'm trying to mix things up because, you know, radio needs variety. People are quick. People's brains are very quick. And you can take them from the fact that I, I'm really sorry, Randy. <laughs> you fucking little, right? And go, <laughs> look at you. Right. You can go through the whole panoply of emotions in a minute. Sure. And the audience will follow you the whole way if you just, you know, dial it in, give them uh-huh. context. And this is, this is something that I wanted to talk to you specifically about because I think that uh, this particular aspect of acting, I think you are a master of. Oh. Uh, uh, it, one of the things that I, I find is whenever you try to play a character, it is important yeah. that you be on that character's side. And I think that there's a lot of possibilities or a lot of ways that somebody could play Jim Leahy as a uh, 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 just a rotten man. But uh, the, the way you do it, there's, there's sympathy there. You, you, you fall in love with Leahy. You, uh, you root for him. You know what? One of the first characters I played was Oscar Wilde in university. Uh-huh. And I played him like a hero because to me he was. I mean... He's the father of, you know, modern morality in a way. Sure. He's, you know, he Marcus of Queensbury, you know, said glove across the face and challenge to the duel and go to court and fight for the rights of homosexuality and land up in jail. Sure. You know, and that whole story was so interesting. It sort of awakened in me 
uh, a knowledge of something outside of my own self, which was pretty insulated. You know, I was a Catholic boy in the South End, rich part of Halifax, and gives the opportunity to expand the mind, being yeah. in another person's shoes, yeah. another person's situation. Exactly. And then the next semester, I got to play Shylock in The Merchant of Venice. Right, Signor Antonio. Many a time and oft in the Rialto you have rated me for my monies and my usances. Still have I borne it with a patient shrug, for sufferance is the badge of all my tribe. You called me misbeliever, cutthroat dog, and spat upon my Jewish gabardine and all for the use of that which is mine own. Well, what should I say to you? Should I not say, at the dog, monies? Is it possible a cur can lend 3,000 ducats? <laughs> or, or shall I bend low and ponder breath in whispering humbleness? Say this, fair sir, you sped on me on Wednesday last. You spurned me such a day, and for these courtesies, I'll lend you thus much money. And I played him sympathetically. By God, I am hypnotized. Yeah. I, mean, I, I played him. you there? I played him sympathetically. Uh-huh. But we're talking about characterization, and, I, and uh-huh. I was saying that at the same time that I'm playing Jim Leahy uh-huh. uh, on stage and being a drunk Santa Claus and being, you know, a real jerk asshole and, and the audience yelling, fuck you, Leahy, at the end of the show in, and posted every night by Mike Smith, who plays Bubbles. At the same time, I've been memorizing a script that I start on December 27th at the Neptune Theater in Halifax. Uh-huh. And I play an old guy. Okay. So my search right now is for The Walk, which I think I know where to start. Bow-legged, stooped. Yeah, crumple your toes up, right? Uh, you know, what? crumple your toes up? Where'd you get that? Oh, an old, uh, <laughs> just an old acquaintance of mine. I was, I was playing a, a, an elderly person. I said, crumple your toes up. You, you're going to walk slower. You're, you're going to feel it in your joints. Yeah. It's going to take you, it's going to take you a lot of years into the future. And uh, I, I do that, especially when I, when I, uh, uh, just camping out in front of handicapped parking spaces, things like that. Mm-hmm. Just try to mm-hmm. try to get ahead. Yeah. Well, I heard the crumpled toes in a different context. Okay. Whenever you are feeling nervous before a performance, uh-huh. just go. Just say, I'm going to put all of my nerves in my foot. I'm going to crumple my toes up. And the other feeling that I have left in me is going to be called excitement. Aha. Uh-huh. So the worry's in my foot and the excitement's in my heart. That's great. Or my mind. Usually, I try to get myself in a place where I really, really have to shit, and uh, so I when, I when I walk out on stage, that's the only thing I can think about. It really keeps me out of my head. Just trying not to shit myself allows me to uh, 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 you know, be free out there. I think. Dan, you know, one time in my life, as you speak, I, I find it very evocative, and and uh, and so many ideas go through my head as you're speaking that uh, I want to interject, and and then by the time you've finished that long. <laughs> interlude that statement uh they're all gone sure so now i'm stuck here with no idea in my head because i don't stimulate me at all exactly exactly <laughs> i they say that i am a conversation killer somebody who will uh take take long unnecessary pauses searching for words and i think a lot of that's that has not to true do you're very quick lack of sleep but, the alcoholism yeah but i i what what you made me think about was uh uh, it was uh, Steinbeck, and uh, I was playing an old guy with one hand gone, and I walked out on stage on opening night. I think it was opening night. It was very close to opening night. And I had one of those moments where you see everything too clearly. Aha. It's called something or other. All of you out there will have your own word for it, I'm sure. Is it, when you realize the audience? When you when realize you, everything. Yeah. When, you, when the two characters that came out, Lenny and his brother, whatever his name was, when they came out to talk to me when I'm sweeping the stage, 
um, I saw them as the characters from Toronto, the two guys I, that I had met a couple weeks earlier. Right. I saw them as the characters in the play, and I was aware of the the pinging of the one little light off to the side, and on every breath of the, everybody in the audience. Sure. And I and at that moment, even though my mouth was working and I was doing everything because it was you know sort of almost rote in a right. way, not really rote because I like to make things fresh. But I remember thinking, oh no, this is why people quit. Ah. Yes, and it went away, and it hasn't come back. But it was uh, it was more it was a very lucid, lucid moment. Well, you're a little bit outside yourself. And you're you're sort of taking everything in all at once. And you're not connected to that, that outside, moment. That outside yourself is a different kind of thing. Where you you know the body floats outside the hospital. Uh, he wouldn't look. He saw that sneaker out there on the ledge. If he look, how could he transfer astral project or whatever? Sure. If his soul didn't leave his body, how did he know it was an Adidas size nine? Exactly. I mean, there's a, there's someone on the wig. Somebody. Something on the wig. <laughs> so having hope at home, that's the name of the play that I'm going to be doing, and I'm playing a guy maybe 80 years old, uh-huh. and I'm working for a voice right now. And the other day it occurred to me that way back 40 years ago I played a guy named John Emery Rockefeller. And it was just like a Gabby Hayes kind of guy. And he was wiry and quick. And it seems to me that that would be perfect for this character. It's a comedy. Uh-huh. But would I be copying if I copied that? Well, you're copying yourself, right? Well, in a way, but you don't want to repeat shit. I understand that. But you say you're copying yourself, and I say no. No, John Dunsworth, you are not copying yourself. What you're doing is bringing years and years of experience yeah. to yeah. A, 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 a style of performing yeah. that There's you're There's no respect for the elderly these days. There's no, no reverence well, for the wisdom of, of years. You don't much care for interracial marriage, so it's hard to respect them. But I see the thing is that there's moments where he's saying, listen, I wasn't doing anything. And then the next minute they say, you stay away from me. You right? stay away from me, old no, man. Yeah. Stop no, touching me. No, I, what I have to do is I have to make the voice so that it doesn't grate all the way around. It should have different variety in there, right? And go up and down. Yeah. Well, sorry. But here's the thing. Uh-huh. Like, what, some of the rules that you learn along the way that you forget in the delivery of your, you know, of your dialogue is that a lot of bad actors, they end on the downward note. They end on the downward. No, no, no. They end the statement with down. It's down. Like they, say, like they I, throw away the last word? Yeah, yeah. They do. You listen. Uh-huh. You can hear a lot of bad actors that way. Sure. Like they say, I love you. Like it isn't. <laughs> no, no, they do. They say, I no, love no, I, you. I just heard that right there. Yeah, but, but it's, I love you. Or, I love you. You know what I'm saying. Yo, yo. But I tell you one thing. That got, that got pretty ethnic there. Yeah, well, I say. You know, here's the thing. Uh, you take Stephen Hawking, for example. Sure. Now, his voice... That's not a terrific Stephen Hawking impression, though, I have to say. Yeah, but I'm going there. Okay. Okay. Uh, give me a second here. But I'm just saying that a computer, to indicate the end of a statement, will drop the last word. When you look at the universe, you will find that it is a most spectacular thing. And every time he finishes a statement, the statement drops. And we are made of star stuff. Yes, 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 yes. I am a robot. I would like to pleasure you. In what way do you enjoy pleasure? Pleasure? Is that, is that, is that more or less the, the kind of thing that you're... Yeah, you listen. All you have to do is watch a movie. I do. I've done that. I've, I've, I've seen a few movies. Yeah, well, just now be cognizant of the fact that the bad actors are dropping the end of every line. I will. Now, when I studied theater, uh-huh. way back in Guelph in 1960 Uh-huh. I found out that, well, no, it was Sir John Neville 
Sir John Neville. It's Sir John Neville. Now, you might not have heard of him, but you might have. You heard of, what's his name, that old, uh, that movie of, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> I, you're talking about James Cagney in, uh, in uh, 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 Yankee Doodle Dandy. Is no, that right? No, it's a word like... Busby Berkeley picture that, what, from the what, old days. It's a word like... Uh, you know, uh, oh Christ! It'll come to me in a minute when you're gone. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> you do know exactly. Yes, you're, you're Captain Munchausen or whatever. Baron Munchausen. What Baron? Baron Munchausen. Yeah, that was John yes, Neville. Absolutely. John oh, Neville was into in 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 in. in uh, you know, the 22 minutes thing. He was an old spy. He just died a couple of years ago. He was a brilliant man. If I it, loved Baird Munchausen. Yeah, if, he, if it wasn't for him, I probably would have left the theater because I went and auditioned for him at Neptune in 19-whatever, 70-something. Uh-huh. I had started my own theater and got jaundiced and, and I directed at, uh, you know, Theater Canada and directed it and taught at Dalhousie University and, uh, and I was doing the thing and trying to make it and I wasn't quite making it even though I had vowed that I was always going to be an actor I'd, I, I'd, uh, I did any, anything I was You're struggling voiceovers and everything and I went and auditioned for him and he was such a um, sort of ramrod stiff very, very impressive personality you know and very British and he, sh- he should have played Alfie in Alfie but he lost out to Michael Caine who's ah. really incredible they're both the same same vintage but I auditioned for him and then I left and I went fuck because uh, Neptune Theatre which is my hometown theatre which I had started in 1962 right and I saw the first plays there and I never even dreamed of being an actor ever 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 uh, actually, uh, Leon Major, who was the first director there, stayed at my family's home uh, for the first season, and um, and I didn't even dream of it. And but when I went away to school and I took an elective course in da- in drama, and I got sucked into the world of make believe. Sure. Uh, that it was okay that I was allowed to go there because I would always been a, kind of anyway a little bit loose, you know, intellectually. Um, so I went and auditioned for John Neville, and ugh, cock suck. You sucked his cock. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I never have. And I have never had that predilection. But i just tell you one thing. When I left there, I realized that life was a do-it-yourself job, and so I went out and I took a real estate course. Uh-huh. And I started a week late. I talked my way in. And I'd always been a terrible, terrible student all my life. Never able to study. Never able to concentrate. Stare at a page for an hour. Sure. And I took the course. I finished tied for first in the course. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you, Diane. And then I went out. And I sold a house for $17,000, which was quite a lot of money. Sure. Me, uh, but I only got like 3% of that or whatever. Uh, what, what is 3% of? Uh, of 17000 Yeah. Uh, 721. What was that big paycheck? $51. $51. Something like that. Anyway, I don't know sure what oh, it was. the things I would do for $51. <laughs> I know. I'm telling you. Uh, so then I sold a house for 92000 But at the same time that the house was being sold, John Neville was calling me and asking me if I wanted to be in the play. That's about a month after my audition, uh-huh. I walked into the real estate place and I took my little bag and I put it on the table and I said, "Thank you very Sophie's much." Sophie's choice. And that's what the, there's where the there, there's I have a lot to owe to him, and to my first professor at the Guelph University, James Murphy, who who uh, without him I would not have been an actor because he uh, encouraged me and said, "Hey, you got talent," and that's all I needed to hear in my life was that some, I could be appreciated for something. My dad was a psychiatrist. Uh-huh. He was very old school. He he's he he still to the day he died, 
uh, believed the chalk treatment was very valuable in some instances. Uh, he was talk therapy, uh-huh. uh, which has disappeared. And I didn't know very much about his practice because he was very tight-lipped. I mean, once he was very depressed for several months, and we didn't know Do you why. feel like that affected the, the conversations that you had with him? Did oh, you think you, that he was sort of... You wouldn't believe the conversations. They were very terse. Um, but uh, one time he was really down. We never knew why, but we found out years and years and years later, one of his patients had committed suicide, and oh, it just really destroyed him. We found out that he talked a woman off the bridge who was going to kill herself. We found out years after because uh, this girl named Lorraine came and lived at our house. Uh-huh. And we didn't know that the reason we had 10 kids, but she had her own room and everything. We didn't know that she was the girl that was on the bridge that he said he was going to get her a job and he couldn't get her a job. So she moved into our house and the next year she went back and finished her high school. I got She was part of the family, but that's the kind of family I was in. He took a gun, a German Luger from a guy who came into the hospital to kill doctors. Wow. So he had a very, he was a very, and he was so principled and so wonderful. I mean, the conversations that that we had uh, where I always felt uh, that I was a big disappointment to him. Oh, that's, that's yeah. upsetting. But guess what? What? I was so fortunate in my life because the last couple of years of his life, we sailed a lot together on St. Margaret's Bay in the Atlantic Ocean. And one day, I, I used to start, I'd ask him questions like, Dad, did you ever cure anyone? Yeah. And he'd say, not my job. And then couple minutes later he'd say my job is to give as good a life as possible to people under the given circumstances and I connected to that because the given circumstances are exactly what the actor looks for and that's if we are actors in real life and leave the stage aside and we look at the world uh-huh. as possibilities and what is the, what are the given circumstances and then we use our imagination and if we can imagine for ourselves a better existence, like I don't need to right now. My life is so full. I've had the best year of my life. But if I can use my imagination to say, I can go to Oregon and I can chop down trees. Sure. I mean, on the way there or when I arrive there, if I go searching, I'll find something. I might not get what I want, what I thought I was after, but I'm going to get something. So that makes me think. Yes. I mean, you say that this is the best year of yes. your life. It sounds like you've been doing this all this time. And, and these are the rewards. You're, you're reaping the rewards of this kind of thinking, this kind of living. But you're at a point where you can actually have all those things, and you can't think of a better life because you've worked your way there. Would you say that that's a, a fair assessment, or is it just really just a change in, in the way that you look at your life? What I want to do with that question is brag about how great my life is. Please do. Know? Well, yeah. I mean, I have such a wonderful family. Uh-huh. And I live in such a wonderful place in sure. Canada and up right beside this. In you do a your own stowed work? And I didn't build my own house. And uh, this year I was in three separate series. One of them's been renewed for sure. And then I get to do Trailer Park Boys, season nine coming up. We just finished season eight. Wait. Ten of the best episodes ever. They're so rich. They move so co- I got to direct one. Fantastic. Yeah. And I did. we did Trailer Park 3, the movie. Haven with Sci-Fi Network. We did uh, season four, hoping for season five. I got to do stonework this year. I got to yep. do sailing this year. I got to travel around Canada with Randy Bobandi on tour. You have uh, you have a lot of rewarding hobbies. You have a wonderful family. You have a career that uh, yeah. uh, uh, you get to do drama and comedy that you're yeah. excited about. Uh, you, you get uh, 
You get to do pretty much whatever the fuck you want. No, I'm, I want to talk to you and give you a little bit of advice oh, about please your do. career. I, I could take you, any you, advice from the master. Okay, well, you you would you, like? Do you imagine yourself as as a as a money earning successful performer in the arts? I do. I see myself as a Timothy Oliphant. See, there, you. somebody there, somebody who has like a dramatic show and guest stars on uh, sitcoms. See, and, see, here's the thing: when you imagine yourself, you can't imagine yourself with someone other's fa- some other face. All like right. If, if I say, okay, if you can imagine it, you can make it happen. All right, I imagine myself as Dan Rodandon, I guess. Yeah, Dan Rodandon doing what? Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> you can't. See, the thing is, is that uh, someone said, hey, you're playing an old guy in that? Hey, guess what? You should go to on Golden Pond and check out Henry Fonda. He got the great voice. He goes like this when he talks like that. Now that could get pretty boring after a while. But in movies, you don't have that much dialogue. Sure. It's a lot of long, lingering, ponderous shots, you know, over the water with the sunset. And, uh, he's you know. looking very intensely off into the distance, intercut yeah. with a bowl of soup because he's hungry. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's the one. But the thing is, is if you have to do a 90-minute play and you've got to you got to uh, talk the whole time. You don't want to have a voice. You that, don't have a good no, voice. It gets uncomfortable with the voice let's, as well. Let's, let's do two old guys that are really communicating, but only they know what they're saying. Okay, sure, okay, sure. okay here we go. The other other time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I... You was it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you had it. Okay, slow it down a bit. We're too. You're too animated. Here we go. Okay. One more time. We're we're a hundred years old. Okay. Uh, well, I tell you, going home with the paint. Yeah, we had we had to go all those hours. No, I wish. Alice. Alice. Oh. You know what piece of that? You look at it. Yeah. Hush it. Four times. <laughs> four times? You got it four times? Oh, four times. One time. One time. Okay, so moving right along. <laughs> my advice to you. Yes? Dan Rodanda. Dan Rodanda, acting teacher. Yes. I think that you should expand your horizon. Okay. And I think you should go on the World Wide Web visually. The internet. Oh, is that what it is? I guess it was the World Wide Web. Yeah, isn't or, that the internet? I think so. Yeah, but I think there's an internet under the internet where you can hire hitmen and buy heroin. I'll imagine that is true. I noticed that when you speak, uh huh, you do not drop the end of your statements. They all have an electricity, and and the thing is, is that when you don't drop, but you sort of stop, so that the next statement is almost like. Conceived at that moment. Would you impregnate the pause? When you when when it sounds like that you're finished, right? But you're not really oh, finished. You got me, right? <laughs> I, I peed a little right then. Like it's when you say, "And I loved you forever, so goodbye." And don't forget me, because if you do, I'll be upset about that, <laughs> and I will hold it against you in my heart. It will come up yes. in my diary. In my diary, yes. Which I write every night. Yeah, you do. You write a diary every night. Well, digitally, sort of. Well, you know, you know, my advice to you, Dan, is uh, 
take a look at what the world really needs, and you know what it is. In a time of hypocrisy like we are right now, art flourishes. But for art to be substantially uh, supported by an angel or by, you know, crowdsourcing, uh-huh. one needs to actually be able to go and touch the clitoris of the of the uh, of the um, help me here uh, of of the art itself of the actual no, no you, the you clitoris to, of the of the zeitgeist yeah, yeah of the yeah, people yeah, out you there? have to exi- excite the zeitgeist you have to lick the zeitgeist clitoris <laughs> is what you have to do you no. have to spell the alphabet with your tongue over and over again no 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 you you listen don't disparage this I'm not I, disparaging I want it. you to embrace this that there is an excitement factor in the world. Yes. The world gets excited about stupid things too, like Haile Myris and all those guys. Yeah. Like, you hear those names all the way, Pon Shen, and, uh, you know, and the woman with the big lips, you know, that they have to light from the bottom. I mean, she's, sure. she's gorgeous and everything like that. But it's all held up uh-huh. by by a, a kind of, um, like a prosthetic. You know. Like, like, like. like, uh, like exactly. And I, 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 I th- if I could sort of try and tie this metaphor together, what you're saying, all those things, is is the dick that is ramming, ramming our culture. What we have to do is find that uh, the, the clitoris and massage that and, and bring out the things that really matter to bring the people pleasure instead of just ramming them with our with our cultural dick over and over again. Exactly. I mean, I'd like to have a BMW. I'd like to have a BM without blood. <laughs> the world needs comedy. At this time... And I was saying that it needs to be supported. It needs to find a way to find, you know, the acceptance. But it needs to be, it needs to be supported by the people that it's entertaining. Right. And the skill to doing that, Dan, the skill to finding how you can be remunerated and how you can exist and be supported by the people that enjoy you, that is the challenge. Finding that niche. Yeah, the niche. But it's not the niche. It's actually finding... It's it's really amazing because if you put yourself out there, it finds you. But you have to imagine it happening. Uh-huh. Stanislavski, you mentioned him earlier. I did. Remember in the bed when? Oh, sorry. Um, Pillow talk. Stanislavski. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were saying something else. Uh, yeah, I, I was actually saying stick it in me, but uh, but I, I was interested to hear your thoughts on Stanislavski yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. But the thing is, is people say the method. Uh huh. And, and what is the method? What do? Okay, first of all, uh huh. What do people? Usually attribute to the method. What do they usually think? Oh, they say Marlon Brando took his glove off in that scene. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, John Dunsworth, the most amazing interview I, I've ever been a part of. The most incredible uh, comedic actor I think that I, I've, I've ever seen on television. Uh, a true genius and maybe the best physical comedian working today. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Dan Rodandon. Yeah, John Dudsworth. Thanks for putting up with this bullshit. Wasn't that something? Isn't that man something? Meeting John Dudsworth was one of the uh, highlights not only of my career, but of my life. He, uh, he was a truly special human being who filled up the room with you, but still made you feel like he 
like he was glad you were there. Like there was a there was a connection. There's a real. He doesn't really he doesn't fill up the room. He makes the rest of the room disappear. Now I remember I I said at the beginning of this podcast that I was not here to do nose music, and uh, I was wrong. I'm here to do nose music, and the uh, this is my 21 gun salute to you, John. And this is, of course, the Trailer Park Boys theme. That's the piano. Do you hear the piano? <sighs> I bet you feel like you were watching the show. I know I do. Anyway, my email address is 917-2148-DAD at gmail.com. 917-2148-DAD at gmail.com. You can send me more emails. Clearly, this guy said, what, did he got on the show? <sighs> Sometimes, it's just the way that she goes. Miss you, John. Merry Christmas. Beware the shit. It'll fly you in from outer space, shit on you, and carry you away to the big shit nest in the sky. Self-be-poo. Be-be-be-poo. To thine own self be poo. To thine own self be poo.